morning we start our new series God in our everyday and through this series we want to do three things firstly we want to think about how increasingly we can invite God into our everyday lives and to help us to do that we're going to be looking at God's word but also Christian tradition and we're going to be asking ourselves what did those generations that went before us find helpful in sustaining their faith and their spirituality especially in times of difficulty and we're going to see what we can learn from that as we think about sustaining our faith and our spirituality during this COVID pandemic. Secondly, we're going to think about what it would look like in order to bring God into our everyday lives, uh, into the different contexts in which we find ourselves, the different spheres of society into which we go as Christians. And so we're going to think about what it means to bring God into our everyday lives and our workplaces and our places of study and wherever he has placed you. And then thirdly, we're going to think about what it means to bring God into the everyday issues of our world and a Christian response to that and helping us to think about how we as the people of God might respond to some of those issues that are facing the world at this time so that's where we're going and perhaps there's something that you want to feed into that conversation perhaps there is a spiritual practice which you have found helpful in sustaining you during this pandemic uh, which you want to just uh, record and share with us if you'd love to do that please get in touch perhaps there are ways that you can testify as to how bringing God into your everyday life uh, has just transformed your approach uh, to life and wherever God has placed you in the workplace or place of study or wherever you are do get in touch uh, one encouragement for us all that would be to hear testimonies of how your faith uh, impacts your life wherever God has placed you or perhaps there's a particular issue that you are passionate about uh, perhaps like the issue of slavery that we were looking at uh, a few weeks ago uh, and you've been wrestling and grappling with what a Christian response to that issue looks like. And if you have something to share that way, please do get in touch and we can have a conversation about it. Well, just as we start this morning, pondering spirituality during this time of COVID, uh, here is David Berry posing a question about what worship looks like during this COVID pandemic. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, know that the Lord is God. Uh, I don't know how you're feeling, but um, I know a lot of us are missing that sense of coming to church on a Sunday morning um, and shouting for joy, singing praises together uh, to the Lord. And there's something beautiful about um, all different people coming and singing uh, together uh, and we're missing that and I was chatting with some people recently and they were expressing that sense of loss and you know not being able to to do what we're so used to uh, we love to come to worship God on a Sunday morning um, so it's a difficult time for us um, but sometimes when difficulties appear it's a chance to see things in a slightly different way um, and a thought came into my head just the other day when I was at my work and I just wanted to, to share it with you. Um, imagine the scene, I'm teaching my higher philosophy class 
Um, they're a great bunch of pupils and we've just walked through a very famous bit of philosophy by the great French philosopher René Descartes. Um, he's the, the guy that came up with the famous uh, phrase, I think, therefore I am. So we've just done all that and they, they know a little bit about that philosophy and what he's about. Um, and once that was finished, he then announces in his book, I'm now going to take some time aside um, to think about God. It's a little bit surprising when you read the book, but suddenly he wants to talk about God. In fact, he tries his very best to prove beyond any question that God exists. Um, but what I found when I was teaching this lesson, I was about to, to explain to the pupils what his philosophical proof was. Um, uh, but before I did that, I just read straight from his book. Uh, and as I read from it, I found myself in that classroom just getting caught up and, and just worshipping God as I read this out uh, in front of, of 20 slightly sceptical uh, teenagers from Paisley. Uh, but here's what René Descartes said, and this was, this was written in the 1700s. Um, but before examining this idea more closely, and at the same time inquiring into other truths that can be gathered from it, at this point, I want to spend some time contemplating this God, to ponder his attributes, and so far as the eye of my darkened mind can take me, to gaze upon, to admire and to adore the beauty of this immense light. For just as we believe by faith that the greatest felicity of the next life consists solely in this contemplation of the divine majesty, so too we now experience that from the same contemplation, although it is much less perfect, the greatest pleasure of which we are capable in this life can be perceived. So I'm reading this out to the class um, and as I was doing that I just felt a sense of God with me. Um, it was a sense of awe, sense of worship um, and I just I just tried to, to imagine Descartes writing this all these years ago um, and just almost like he took a break from his, his philosophy just to express this, this statement. He just took some time to just sit and contemplate God, think about God. Um, and then he focused, as it said there, to ponder his attributes. Um, and as far as his darkened mind can take him, just to admire uh, the, and adore the beauty of God, the beauty of this immense light. As I say, as I read that, I could feel myself um, getting caught up in worship uh, for God. And then when I finished my lesson, I was chatting to a classroom assistant who's a Christian. She was going through some challenges um, and she'd studied philosophy in her younger days. And I just happened to say to her uh, about the lesson um, and I, you know, I talked to her about that little section. And uh, she found it very helpful because it just helped her take her mind away from her difficulties and her challenges and the things that were getting on top of her just to pause um, uh, and then just turn her attention uh, towards God. It kind of puts things into perspective. Um, so that was my my little experience um, of worshipping God in my classroom. It just got, got me thinking um, that maybe in the church uh, we're all doing different things, but maybe other people are experiencing um, the worship of God in a slightly different way and in a slightly new way. Um, so if, you, if you've had any thoughts about this, um, I'd love to hear. Uh, your your thoughts and your experiences so you know send me an email or um, a message or something on uh, a whatsapp or whatever um, and just let me know um, just the different ways that you've been 
worshipping God um, over uh, lockdown. I was worshipping God in my classroom um, with my with my my philosophy class, um, just taking some time aside. And the rest of that day, I kept on thinking about the words, uh, just to contemplate God, just to think about God, not singing, not singing as a congregation, but just consciously taking taking time apart to contemplate God, uh, gaze upon the beauty of God. And also, I love that wee bit right at the end there, just to recognise, um, as Descartes says, that the greatest pleasure of which we are capable in life is to gaze upon God uh, in worship. Um, so that was my experience, and hopefully uh, that might get you thinking. But if you've, you've had any other experiences that are a little bit different uh, in terms of worship, then uh, please email me uh, and let me know. I'd love to love to hear from you. Thanks. Well, thanks, David. That's a really interesting question for us all to ponder. And we're going to pick up on uh, just a wee bit of it in a moment. Uh, and this morning we're going to be thinking about this book. It's a book that's been hugely influential for me influential for Liz as well and perhaps a number of you is called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence and this morning I just want to read some sections from the book and show us how it ties into God's Word uh, and also just bring some thoughts from the book that could be helpful for us today. But David's question reminded me at the start of uh, Psalm 42 where the psalmist is feeling downcast in his soul because he is separated from the house of God, uh, from the temple, from the building he used to go to with joy to worship God. And he says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. And perhaps that is you this morning. Your soul is feeling downcast. You are thirsting for God. You're asking, when can I go and meet with God? When can I get back to the church? Where can I meet with God at this time when I can't go to the church building in the way that I used to, uh, along with the church family? And you're mourning that worship experience and you're mourning the joy that came with that course this question in Psalm 42 is asked in the context of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant when God's presence was found in the temple in the Holy of Holies that was where you went to meet with God and here is this person who is a long way away from the temple who is separated from it not knowing when they are going to get back to the temple of God to be able to worship him and wondering what worship looks like in this new context and perhaps you're feeling that disconnect too and you're asking those questions of when and where and how. And there's a joy in physically gathering together to worship God. We know that. 
But the blessing for us this morning, the encouragement for us this morning, is that we do not live under the old covenant. We live under the new covenant. And we think of those in the Old Testament, even the great prophets and leaders of God who craved the very presence of God. Yet often it seemed intangible. But because of the cross and the Lord Jesus Christ, we are reminded that the great curtain in the temple is torn in two. And now we have the blessing of daily knowing the presence of God and being able to be in his presence wherever we are. God is not just found in a church building. He is present with us. In fact, we carry around the presence of God in these jars of clay. The challenge for us is to become increasingly aware of that presence of God. To be aware of God's presence with us. And that is why the writings of this book, which for me is completely well thumbed and highlighted and underlined and torn to bits, is so helpful. Because Brother Lawrence has so many encouragements for you and I this morning about becoming aware of God's daily presence in our lives. Not just in those moments of quiet reflection and those quiet times that we set aside to pray, to read God's word, to sing praise to him in our homes, in the shower, in the car, wherever you sing to God and connect with him. Being aware of his presence with us every moment of every day. So I'm going to read some sections of this book for you this morning. We're going to chat about them and see what we can learn. Just so you know, many of uh, his writings are recorded either in the form of a letter that he writes to friends or his writings are recorded through conversations that he had with friends and things that they recall him saying as he shared with them the practice of the presence of God. And the first idea that he wants to get across to us this morning is that as Christians, we should not compartmentalize our lives. As Christians, we don't have to have our spiritual identity over here in places where we meet with God. And then we step out of that place on a regular basis in order to engage with the world and go to work and do the daily things that are required of each of us. Here is the first thing that Brother Lawrence wants us to know, recorded by his good friend Joseph de Beaufort in a conversation that he had with Brother Lawrence as he sought to learn from him as we are this morning. It says this, Brother Lawrence insisted that it is necessary to be aware of God's presence by talking with him throughout each day. It isn't necessary that we stay in church in order to remain in God's presence. We can make our heart a chapel where we can go any time to talk to God. He is waiting for us to take the first step. Because we have such a short time to live, we should spend our remaining time with God. Even suffering will be easier when we are with him. Without him, even the greatest pleasures will be joyless. To think that you must abandon conversation with him in order to deal with the world is erroneous. Brother Lawrence's heartfelt goal was to think of nothing but God. 
If he did allow some time to pass without thinking about him, he did not grow upset by it. Once he confessed his weakness to God, he returned to him with all the more confidence and joy because he had found himself so unhappy apart from God's presence. Brother Lawrence declared that he felt much closer to God in his day-to-day activities than most people ever believed possible. The worst trial he could imagine was losing his sense of God's presence. I wonder what you make of that this morning as we begin. Brother Lawrence here argues that we can know the constant presence of God with us today. And this idea that you're having a quiet time and then you receive a work phone call or the family needs something or there are chores to do around the house and so you leave God over here in order to deal with an issue over here is a wrong way of thinking. Brother Lawrence speaks about how in his life he has cultivated this constant conversation with God and this constant awareness of God's presence with him, whatever he is doing. And what really struck me was that last line where he said the worst trial that he could imagine was losing his sense of God's presence with him. It got me thinking a lot. got me asking the question, am I aware of when I am not in God's presence? Implication of Brother Lawrence's writings is that he is constantly aware of God's presence with him every moment of every day and he notices when he steps out of it. Ask yourself, is being in God's presence constantly your norm? So that you are aware when you have stepped out of it and he is not there. When I get to that point in my life where I am so aware of the presence of God with me that I immediately notice his absence. I read a story this week about a couple in America. These stories are always in America. Uh, But they were on a sailing boat together for a weekend. And at some point on the Friday around mid-evening, the wife falls overboard uh, and she manages to swim to a nearby island. And the following day on the Saturday around 4am she is eventually found by a passerby. And they get in touch with the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard radio her husband who is on the boat just to let him know that she has been found safe and well. But the amazing thing is that when they made that phone call to the boat to get in contact with the husband they discovered that he had not even realised that she had been missing for all those hours. I wonder if that is a spiritual picture of your relationship with God today. Perhaps some of us haven't even noticed that God is missing, that he is absent. Ask your question right now, wherever you're sitting, on the sofa or wherever you're watching, Before we started talking about this idea this morning of God's presence with us, were you mindful that he was with you? Had you spent time this morning already intentionally acknowledging his presence 
with you. Are you aware that right now, wherever you are watching, that God is present with you? The amazing thing is that Psalm 139 gives us this encouragement this morning as the psalmist says, Where can I flee from your presence? I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Amen. There is nowhere we can go where we can run away from the presence of God. It is always available to us. God promises his presence to you and I continually. It is continually available to us. And if God is absent, it is not because he has moved. It is because we have moved. God is right here with you this morning. Will you acknowledge his presence right now with you? The problem comes that sometimes we choose sin over God's presence. And that's the second part of Brother Lawrence's teaching in line with Scripture. Here's another section from the book. Today, Brother Lawrence spoke to me quite openly and with great enthusiasm about his manner of going to God. He said the most important part lay in renouncing once and for all whatever does not lead to to God. This would allow us to become involved in a continuous conversation with him in a simple and unhindered way. All we have to do is recognise God as being intimately present with us. It is necessary for the heart to be emptied of anything that would offend God. He wants to possess your heart completely. Once and for all we need to banish from our heart and soul all that does not reflect Jesus, that he alone might rule our hearts. Neither skill or knowledge is needed to go to God, he added. All that is necessary is a heart dedicated entirely and solely to him, out of love for him above others. As Brother Lawrence seeks to grow in practice of the presence of God and it is a practice and it is something that we can grow in but part of becoming more aware of God's presence for him was about firstly confessing and then this is important renouncing and renouncing once and for all whatever does not lead us to God the word renounce means to publicly and formally give something up and to completely abandon it. That's a helpful idea for us this morning. There are things that bind us. And like the alcoholic who bravely admits his struggles with addiction, seeks the help of the Lord and the help and support and accountability of others to keep him on the straight and narrow. So we all have our sinful addictions. Things that can bind us publicly and privately things that we need to renounce once and for all it reminds me of Hebrews 12 which reminds us to cast off that sin that so easily entangles us 
We need to renounce that sin before God once and for all. Sometimes it is helpful if we have a trusted brother or sister in Christ who can help us in that walk in confidence that if we choose wisely to share with them that they can support us and encourage us and pray for us and be there to keep us accountable. The problem that we have as Christians is often the way that we have set church up. And we've set it up in such a way that often we feel this burden as we come into church to be a saint rather than the sinners we really are. And church is not for saints, it's for sinners. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And when we forget that, we get into trouble. And if we think we're meant to be a saint before God and one another, we end up going around with masks on, putting on a show and pretending to be someone that we are not. As the church, we need to repent of that. Because all it does is bind people up in an unhealthy way. And real church happens when everyone, including the pastor, can publicly say, I sin daily. I've sinned already this morning. And where we acknowledge that Finley Church is full of sinners whose only hope is in Jesus. And that includes you watching today and it includes me today. And we need to allow ourselves to admit we don't have everything together. We mess up, we wander from God, but then we rejoice in his salvation, in his love, in his grace and mercy and forgiveness that covers a multitude of sins. And our prayer together as sinners is that the Lord Jesus might be at work among us by his Holy Spirit to slowly break those chains that bind us and begin his transformation. And reminded of James 4, 7 that says that as we submit to God and resist the devil daily, and it is a daily thing, that he will flee from us. And as we do that, increasingly we get to know the presence of God. But it requires vulnerability from us all. And then a response to that vulnerability of encouragement and support and Brother Lawrence's desire is that he would decrease and that the Lord would increase, John 3.30, and that our hearts would be fully given over to God, Matthew 22.37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Listen to these incredible words by Brother Lawrence about that conflict that he himself felt between the pressure he felt in church to be holy like others, but then the peace that he discovered when he encountered the grace of God and he came just as he was. And that helped him to experience the presence of God more fully. He says this, My intent at the beginning of my Christian walk was to give my all to God all at once. During my first 10 years, I worried that my walk with the Lord wasn't good enough. Perhaps that's you this morning. I couldn't forget my past sins and sometimes it felt like God was against me. Sometimes I believe I felt this way because I was trying to show at the beginning of my walk the same maturity it had taken others years to achieve. My soul, which was always troubled, finally came to rest in a profound inner peace. 
Since that time I have been serving God simply, in humility and faith. I have given up everything but intercessory prayer to focus my attention on remaining in God's holy presence. I keep my attention on God in a simple, loving way. This is my soul's secret experience of the actual, unceasing presence of God. It gives me such contentment and joy. To sum up, this king who is full of goodness and mercy doesn't punish me. Rather, he embraces me lovingly and invites me to eat at his table. He serves me himself and gives me the keys to his treasury, treating me like a favourite. And he converses with me without mentioning my sins or forgiveness. My former habits are seemingly forgotten. Although I beg him to do whatever he pleases with me, he does nothing but love me. This is what being in his holy presence is like. My day-to-day -day life consists of giving God my simple, loving affection. If I'm distracted, he calls me back in tones that are supernaturally beautiful. I desire nothing but his presence. Wow! That is a picture of the Christian faith. That is a picture of what walking with God looks like. I wonder if that is real for you today. Are you comparing yourself to others and just being crushed under the burden and pressure of that? Or are you coming to Jesus as you are, humbly and in faith, delighting to be in his presence, experiencing his immense love for you and salvation on offer and resting in a deep joy and contentment that brings that is the practice of the presence of God. That is what your faith should look like. That is what our experience of church should be like. How do we cultivate it? Well, Brother Lawrence teaches us that it begins by becoming aware of God's presence daily. Not just in our quiet times, but in every moment of every day. And especially as Brother Lawrence teaches us, specifically at work. Which for those of us who are working can be such a big part of our lives. Here's what he says about that. He says this, we must try to converse with God in little ways while we work. Not in memorised prayer nor trying to recite previously formed thoughts. Rather we should purely and simply reveal our hearts as the words come to us. God wishes us to work gently and calmly and lovingly with him. Asking him to accept our work. Whatever we are doing, we should stop for a few moments as often as possible to praise God from the depths of our hearts and to enjoy him there in secret. Because of all he is to us, we owe him our thoughts. And I thought about what David shared earlier and just worshipping God in his classroom in secret, in the depths of his heart, with all those pupils there. And I just thought that in itself is a picture of practising the presence of God in whatever we are doing. Owing God our thoughts, thinking of him regularly, 
looking for God's presence and pausing and just having a moment in our hearts to say, thank you, God. In fact, Brother Lawrence recommends as we start thinking about this and trying to focus on God's presence, something that might be helpful is to use phrases like, Lord, today I'm all yours. Lord, use me according to your will. God of love, I love you with all my heart. And acknowledging that our work is a gift from God. And how we go about our work. Whatever he has given us to do. Can be an act of worship to God. And we are to actively acknowledge God's presence in it. Perhaps we'll push into that idea in a few weeks time. When we think about God in our everyday. And how our faith intersects with our daily work. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I want to leave you this morning with this thought. Brother Lawrence says near the end of the book, practice, practice the presence of God energetically, even in your old age. It truly is better late than never. I honestly cannot understand how people who claim to love the Lord can be content without practicing his presence. If I was a preacher, I would preach nothing but practicing the presence of God. My preference is to retire with him to the deepest part of my soul as often as possible. God won't allow a soul that is searching for him to be comforted anywhere other than him. The first blessing of practicing the presence of God is that our faith is livelier. And more active everywhere in our lives. The second blessing is that it strengthens our hope in God in our every circumstance. The third blessing is that this practice will cause the world to rejoice as it's set apart from the world. That is because the soul that is always with God, who is a consuming fire, reducing into powder whatever is opposed to him. Fourth blessing is the soul familiarizes itself with him to the extent that it passes almost its whole life in continual acts of love, praise, confidence, thanksgiving, offering and petition. Sometimes this may merge into one single act that does not end because the soul is always in the ceaseless pursuit of of God's divine presence. May that be us this morning, that we are in the ceaseless pursuit of God's divine presence. It's never too late to begin. Practice the presence of God energetically, even in your old age, Brother Lawrence says. How can we claim to love the Lord, he says, and not desire his presence continually? The blessings are great. It awakens and enlarges our faith. It secures our hope in Christ so that our hope is real and living even in the most testing of times because we know him more deeply. And his presence purifies us of sin. For who can stand in the presence of God without being changed? Becoming more aware of our sin that he wants to purge and remove from our lives like Isaiah who has this Profound encounter with the presence of God and Christ was me. But then it's restored by God.
And the greatest blessing is that the more time we spend in God's presence, the more we become familiar with him. And our whole life becomes an act of continual worship and love and thanksgiving and praise. A single, ceaseless act of worship. And here is the blessing. When we get to heaven, our knowledge of his presence will only be amplified. As the Westminster Confession of Faith declares, the chief aim of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so I commend to you practice of the presence of God, not just as a book, but as something to pursue beginning now. As you step into this new week, take regular time to pause and acknowledge his presence. And the more times we pause and think about God, the more those moments will join together to become the single ceaseless act of worship and praise. Why don't we pray? And then we'll praise God together. Father God, may we know your presence today. Right now, may we know your presence with us. We ask for your presence, Lord. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come, that we would know your presence today. Not for our benefit, but that we would primarily, first and foremost, glorify you. But we thank you that when you are present with us, cares and the burdens of this world come into perspective that we can know that joy and contentment and peace that comes from walking with you that we can learn to enjoy you Lord that's what we want in our walk with you and enjoyment Lord Strip away anything in our lives that is holding us back in our walk with you. Anything that offends you, that our hearts and souls might be fully given over to you this morning. We pray that as we step into this week, that you would begin teaching us afresh what it means to practice the presence of God. Thank you that your presence is always available to us. That there is nowhere where we can go where we flee from your presence. Forgive us for our sins. We confess and renounce once and for all those things that are holding us back from experiencing the fullness of your presence this morning. Come Holy Spirit, help us to throw off that sin that so easily entangles. Make us aware of those sins that are so deeply entrenched in our lives that we we stop noticing them. Bring them to light that we might renounce them once and for all that we might experience the fullness of your presence. May it be so, Lord. Fill your church family this morning with your presence, Lord. Fill us afresh, we ask. Help us to be aware of your presence in a very real and tangible way. We praise you, we worship you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus.